Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. But if you are afraid to go down, Go down to the camp with Pira, your servant, and you shall hear what they say. And afterward, your hands will be strengthened to go down against the camp. Then he went down with Pira to his. Then he went down with Pira, his servant, to the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp. Okay, we'd seen God encourage Gideon several times already, even in the last chapter. He knew that Gideon was still a little bit scared. You know, it's okay if you're a little bit scared. I mean, I'm a human being. I have a sin nature in my flesh. I still get scared sometimes. And by the way, as a pastor, uh, you'd think I'd be over this by now, but public speaking is one of my biggest uh, top fears, and I still get scared when I do that. And so I think it was wonderful that right after cutting his men down to 300, the Lord still continues to assure Gideon of victory. Friends, the Lord will often put you into seemingly impossible circumstances that you'll say, I, I, I can't do this. But God does not do this for the cruel purpose of scaring you. He does this to show us how mighty he is. God puts us into trial for the purpose of, for us to just not know, to not just know, but to experience what God is capable of doing. You can sit in your mind and go, I know God can do anything. I know he can. But have you experienced God doing the impossible? It's a very different deal, isn't it? God is not going to abandon you to let you fail. He's not going to abandon Gideon either. Now, Judges 7 and 12. Now, the Midianites and Amalekites, all the people of the east, were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts, and their camels were without number, as the sand by the seashore in multitude. And when Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream to his companion. He said, I have had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian. It came to a tent and struck it so that it fell and overturned and the tent collapsed. Then his companion answered and said, This is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. Into his hand God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. And so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation that he worshipped He returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. (laughs) Look how Gideon is all spiked up in his encouragement again. Now notice how the promise of victory is what caused Gideon to worship. It caused him to worship. You, You know, you have a promise of victory too. The victory in Jesus Christ. Now, isn't that what makes you want to worship God? And so the 300 are excited about the Lord's guaranteed win. I mean, we're going to win this. There's no way we can lose. And they're all worked up. How, How good is this? But how did they get this interpretation from a dream about a loaf of barley bread knocking a tent down? (laughs) 
I read things like this sometime and I go, what? Well, let's look at it. Again, context. Let's remember that Israel was in poverty because the Midianites kept stealing their food supply. They'd come and steal food and destroy crops and just do all this damage. And so barley bread probably was one of their food sources for the past seven years. This is barley bread that they were eating. Remember when God came to Gideon, he was threshing wheat for wheat bread. He he does farming, you know, okay, they, they obviously ate bread, they had to eat something. And so dreaming of barley bread, dreaming of this bread, tumbling in and destroying the enemy's tent would have been clear imagery to the Israelites that they were the barley bread who were about to destroy the Midianite camp. They knew without a doubt that this battle was going to be victorious because that bread was them. They understood that. They were very, very familiar with barley bread. Now, something I want to add here, because it says the barley bread tumbled. You see that? The barley bread tumbled into the camp. Have you ever seen a a tumbleweed? Wind blows them around. I've been up into uh, North Texas and and the tumbleweeds will blow across through fields and across the roads. And sometimes you got to stop if there's a bunch of tumbleweeds going across the road. You don't want to get into that. You just wait for them to pass. And I've seen them pretty thick before. But something about tumbleweeds is they don't tumble on their own. They're very light and they catch air. And so they're moved around by wind. Now, bread, this dream was about barley bread tumbling into a camp. Bread just typically sits on a table. If you put it there on a table, it does not move because it has no power of its own to tumble anywhere. Well, duh, Ray, yeah, I I get you. I'm building my point. (laughs) I think it would take a strong wind to make barley bread tumble into a camp and be strong enough to knock down a tent, don't you think? In the Bible, wind is often illustrative as being power of the Holy Spirit of God. Let me tell you in Acts 2 and verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were there, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. John 3, 8, Jesus said, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. John 20 and 22. Jesus, it says, he breathed on them, air, there's wind, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And so this dream here showed the Israelites that this helpless, weak, impoverished loaf of barley bread, which was them, was given great power by the Holy Spirit of God. Now, I think the 300 men just realized something about their leader, Gideon, something that we read in the past chapter, let's go recall this, back in Judges 6.34, it says, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. So there's your power. There's your wind power that can take a loaf of bread, something that has zero power of its own, and give it enough power to be able to take down its enemies. Gideon has a really supercharged force of men ready to go now, doesn't he? They know the Holy Spirit of God is with Gideon. They know they're going to be successful. Awesome. Judges 7 and 16. Then he divided the 300 men into three companies, and he put a trumpet into every man's hand with empty pitchers and torches inside the pitchers. And he said to them, Look at me and do likewise. Watch. And when I come to the edge of the camp, you shall do as I do. 
when I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then you also blow trumpets on every side of the whole camp and say, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and the three hundred men who were with him came to the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just as they had posted the watch, and they blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers that were in their hands. Okay, so these pitchers they had here, these pitchers with a torch inside them, this was to hide the light of the torch until they broke the pitcher, and then you break the pitcher, suddenly there's light. The enemy would have had that shocked uh, deer-in-the-headlights look on their face when it's nice and dark, and all of a sudden there's all this light. So they break the pitchers, and then there's all this light, and now they're yelling, okay? The enemy would have been caught off guard. Now, we read that they were all lying in the valley, which means they're asleep. It's nighttime right now. Gideon and the 300 arrived right at the beginning of the middle watch, which means right when they're swapping their shifts, they're swapping guards. That is the perfect time to strike because we're, we're changing shifts. And then there's the battle cry, the battle cry, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. You know, battle cries have a purpose to them. That is to strike fear into your enemy through the confidence you have. Israel had this battle cry because they had confidence in the Lord, and they used that battle cry to strike fear into the heart of their enemy. Remember, they got rid of their fear. Now they're going to put the fear in the enemy. Judges 7 and 20. Then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers. They held the torches in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands for blowing. And they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And every man stood in his place all around the camp, and the whole army ran and cried out and fled. When the three hundred blew the trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his companion throughout the whole camp. And the army fled to Beth Acacia, toward Zerera, as far as the border of Abel, Mehola, and Tebeth. And the men of Israel gathered together from Naphtali, Asher, and all Manasseh, and pursued the Midianites. Then Gideon sent messengers throughout all the mountains of Ephraim, saying, Come down against the Midianites and seize from them the watering places as far as beth and the Jordan. Then all the men of Ephraim gathered together and seized the watering places as far as beth and the Jordan, and they captured two princes of the Midianites, Oreb and Zeb. They killed Oreb at the rock of Oreb, and Zeb they killed at the winepress of Zeb. They pursued Midian and brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon on the other side of the Jordan. What a victory. <laughs> now, you're thinking, oh, this is barbaric. You got to remember, these guys were barbaric to the Israelites. They kept them impoverished. How many people died out of that? How many? I, I mean, we don't know, but how many? It, it was terrible. It was a terrible seven-year oppression. And now they got their victory back. 300 men against an uncounted number of an enemy. God's glory. God's glory. Now, these reinforcements here that it says that Gideon called up was probably a lot of the men who were dismissed earlier because of their fear. But where's that fear now? They had been inspired by the boldness of these 300 few, and so now they're in the fight too. And they're also sharing in the victory. Friends, you know, these 300 here, they should be us today. Us believers, we're very, very few when it comes to the rest of our society in the world. We're very few. The, the genuine, authentic believers, very few. 
And even though we're greatly outnumbered, I want you to know that your boldness inspires others to jump in, to leave their fear behind, and then they get to share in the Lord's victory along with us, just like they shared in Gideon's victory. But it had to start somewhere. It began with Gideon and the watchful 300. You know, we need to be watchful too. We need to be watchful. Don't get distracted. You need to be ready. How do we do that? Matthew 25 and 13. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Friends, don't get distracted and get caught off guard. Be watchful. Be alert. Ephesians 6.17 says that the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. Keep your weapon in your hand. Don't put it down. Keep the Word of God in your hand. In other words, stay in it. Abide in it. Be a true disciple of Jesus so you abide in His Word. Remember, God chose only the watchful, the watchful few who remained armed. Don't get distracted to where you lay your weapon down. You know, sometimes you might need to turn off that TV a little more often and study God's Word. Give God your time. Pursue Him in His Word. Don't make up your own opinion of who you think God is. I guarantee you, if you have invented who you think God is without His Word, you are following a false God. And that was the first thing that had to be taken down by Gideon before they could have this victory. The false gods had to go first before this victory could happen. That was in in Judges 6. But now they're getting on with it. You need to pursue God in in His Word, in your time. You've got to pursue Him. Read about Him. Let God tell you who He says He is. Don't let culture, don't let society tell you who God is. You find out who God says He is, and then you will be able to be one of the few that God chooses to go out and demonstrate His power for His glory. But you might be thinking, but I'm small, I'm weak, what can I do? (laughs) That's why God whittled the men down to 300, just to prove that point. It's not about being big and mighty and powerful. God chooses the weak and the small. That's why He trimmed them down to 300. It brought it down to a true David and Goliath situation, didn't it? 1 Corinthians one twenty seven says, God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things. Oh, did you hear that? The weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. You know, this is how a small shepherd boy named David ended up killing a giant named Goliath. This is how a timid man with a speech impediment, I can relate to that, a timid man with a speech impediment named Moses ended up speaking against the ruler of all Egypt to deliver Israel. This is how an old and childless man named Abraham became the father of an entire nation called Israel. This is how an infant, whose only place to sleep was in an animal's feeding trough, took away the sins of the entire world. God chooses foolish things to shame the wise, and he chooses the weak things to put to shame those who are mighty. I know you have faults and weaknesses, and I know you feel like you have nothing to offer. What can I do, you're thinking? But if you will place your trust in the Lord, then the wind of the Holy Spirit can blow through you, 
and all of those impossible odds that are stacked against you will fall. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, the Lord gave great assurance to Gideon and the 300, and they were so driven that they blew the shofar trumpet and they shouted their battle cry. They shouted in the, in the, the battle cry, blew that trumpet. Battle cries are to strike fear in the enemy. A battle cry says we are confident because we are superior. We are going to destroy you. That's what a battle cry does. Let me show you another battle cry in the Bible. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. Friends, when the Lord comes for vengeance, he's launching his attack with a battle cry. We who believe can be confident because through Jesus, we are superior. We are superior to our enemy. And did you know that we saw a foreshadowing picture of Jesus, the Messiah, right here in Judges 7? Did you see it? Of everything I talked about, did you see the Messiah picture? (laughs) It was in that bread that came in and destroyed the enemy. The bread that tumbled in and knocked down the enemy. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And on the cross of Calvary, Jesus defeated our enemy so that we can be saved. Now think about that loaf of barley bread rolling straight into the camp and knocking it down. That's what the Lord did for us to save us. But if you, I want to, to, to relate this to you also. If you are experiencing loss, if it seems like God is taking things away from you, maybe you should take a little bit from here in Judges 7. And realize that God is trimming you down. Oh, of course he's trimming me down, Ray. Why would he do such a thing? I'm losing stuff. Yeah, he did that to Gideon too. Trimmed him down. Maybe God's trimming you down into a position where you lose your bragging rights. Because God will not share his glory with us. What is God's glory and God's credit that he does? He's not going to share it with us. We need to be like this 300 that even though we're being trimmed down to almost nothing, we should realize that we need to conduct ourselves as one who is watchful, trusting in the Lord, looking for Messiah Jesus, and constantly armed with the Word of God, because we have an enemy out there who is looking to take you at your vulnerabilities. Keep that Word of God in your hand. Keep it and study it. Know your God. Know how to build. You got to build your faith. You don't switch faith on. Oh, God, I'm going to have faith today. The word says faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. The more you hear, the stronger your faith is going to be. You don't hear much word of God, you're getting yourself set up for a bad vulnerability. Don't want that to happen to you. That's why I do this podcast to help you hear, to help you hear the word of God and encourage you with it. But it had to start somewhere. And it started with Gideon. May it start with us. Let this boldness start with us, and it will inspire others to jump in and share in the Lord's victory with us. You know, recently I was watching a documentary about Mr. Rogers. And, you know, I I hate to admit it, I didn't really give Mr. Rogers his due while he was with us. I just kind of, you know, it's a little kid show, whatever. Uh, You know, Mr. Rogers was an ordained minister, and he really preached the gospel not from a pulpit. He preached it over secular TV right into young children's minds. What a great man. 
won't you be my neighbor? Jesus told the lawyer who asked, who is my neighbor? And Jesus told him who his neighbor is. You can see what Mr. Rogers was trying to do. What a great guy. But Mr. Rogers had said this in the documentary. He said this. He said, you don't have to do anything significant to be loved. You don't have to do anything significant to be loved. You don't have to pull off some major, major attention getter. You don't have to have some super special characteristic about yourself that draws everybody's eye. You don't have to be famous. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to be massively impressive to be loved. God loves you right now. Right now. But you got to repent of your sins. You got to get rid of those false gods that you've built up. You got to take God for who he says he is and not the ones you made up. You can't have the false gods of money. You can't have the false gods of what, whatever it is. Anything you've put above God is a false god. You got to tear those altars down. Trust in the Lord. And even though you might be getting trimmed down, it's to glorify him, not you. That's a big one in our culture for us to swallow. This isn't about you. This never has been about you. It's about God. And be thankful God loves you just like you are, but you do need to repent. You need to leave where you've been to go where he is. I can't get to Dallas unless I leave Houston. You can't get to Jesus unless you walk away from your sin. Jesus said, repent and believe in the gospel in that order. So I want to pray for you over the gospel because maybe you've been feeling defeated for a long time. Maybe you've been whooped and you're tired of it. You're tired of the defeat. You want a battle cry? You want a battle cry that strikes fear in the enemy? Then you need to leave your false gods behind. You need to trust in the Lord. Let the Holy Spirit blow through you. And then you can walk in victory. How do I get that Holy Spirit power like that? Here's how you do it. You pray in agreement with me. I can't pray it for you. You have to agree with what I'm saying, okay? Father, I've messed up. I have sinned and I, I blew it. I, I just blew it. I ruined the whole thing. I don't deserve to be saved at all. I've done not one good thing on my own. I am just strictly calling to you for help. Lord, forgive me of my sin. I turned from it. Help me to turn from it. Show me which way to go. Lord, I'm going to pick up my weapon in my hand, and I'm going to partake of that Holy Spirit water, and I'm going to remain watchful for you because you are my boss now. You are now Lord. I now do what you say. I want to know you, and I want you to know me. Come into my life, Lord God. I give it all to you. I give it all to you. Take me and forgive me. Today, I make you my Lord. Today, I submit myself to your authority completely. Thank you for coming after me when I didn't care about you. Thank you for loving me when I didn't love you. But I'm turning now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for eternal life. Amen. If you prayed that, and you meant it, you just got saved. The scripture says, having believed, you're marked with the indwelling Holy Spirit. That's in Ephesians 1. You go look it up. And don't take my word for it. Take God's word for it. Get your weapon in your hand. Read it. Okay? Thank y'all for being with me today. You are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. 
Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.